y'all, and welcome to Bible Bitches, the podcast, where we talk about biblical and religious topics from a feminist comedic perspective. And I'm here with Sarah Hoff, an awesome agnostic living in L.A., California. And I'm talking to Laura Barclay, who's a Baptist minister located in Louisville, Kentucky. And today, get out your whips and fedoras because we're talking about relics. We're going to focus on ones with a more mythical status, the Holy Grail, the Ark of the Covenant, and the Spear of Destiny, a.k.a. the Holy Lance. In the next episode, we're going to talk about ones that are quote-unquote real, and by that we mean things you can see, but maybe not exactly what they say they are. Yeah, and so first up, we've got the Ark of the Covenant. So if you've seen Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you are basically already an expert in the Ark of the Covenant. Also, um, if you have not seen Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, I implore you to stop everything that you're doing right now and go watch that movie. Yeah, agree. Shut this off. Yeah. Get your life together. Yeah. Um. So if we'll we'll just pause for two hours and then come back yep. so just this is going to be a long two-hour silence <laughs> observe it with us in quiet um so live science has a good intro article if you are very confused about what the ark is called what is the ark of the covenant appropriately titled by owen jarris published in march of 2019 and jarris covers um, that the Ark held the uh, original Ten Commandments and that the Ark was constructed by the Israelites while they were camping out in the Sinai Desert after they fled Egypt. While the Bible never gives us an exact date on when the Israelites fled Egypt, uh, because it was probably told in oral history for a very long time, um, if it did happen, and current scholars, though, aren't actually sure that it did actually happen as a historical event, uh, Jairus notes that the Ark vanished when the Babylonians conquered Jerusalem in 587 um, BCE. And we know that the Israelites believed this relic had power because they carried it with them into battle. When their enemies, the Philistines, captured it, they were plagued with tumors and disease and had to return it to get relief. Um, death would, could come to those who touched it or looked inside, hence the famous face-melting scene in Indiana Jones, which is for like at, it's been documented that's what happens there are lots it's, of um, biblical texts yeah it's basically a documentary yeah it is it is yeah mm-hmm. there are like a little bit of nods to truth in what uh, truth in terms of what the legend says <laughs> about the ark so i do kind of like that about uh about the movies it's been a long time actually since i've seen it does the do we ever find out what's in the Ark in the movie? So when you open it up, uh, not really, because when yeah. you open it up, it's just a big old storm inside. Like, yeah. it looks like a storm. <laughs> spoiler alert. Like, what, how many, like a 30-something-year-old 30, 30 spoiler alert? <laughs> oh, my God. It's, like, almost 40 now. Shut Wasn't up. it, like, mid-80s? Shut your face. <laughs> I'm just saying. Shut your face. We're both almost 40. We're millennials, Sarah. <laughs> I like that that just disguises any sort of age. It's just like for millennials. Hush. A blanket statement. Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) Exodus chapter 25 tells us that the ark was made out of acacia wood and overlaid with gold with sculpted angels on the lid and poles to carry it. Probably similar to what you would see actually in the Indiana Jones film. It was housed in a tabernacle according to the Bible, and only Moses, Aaron, and their sons could enter that tabernacle. Deuteronomy chapter 10, however, describes a more simple ark made only out of wood. 
Hey, question. Yes. Unrelated. Yes. Why did we stop calling, um, like, a religious building? Why did we stop calling that tabernacle? Because uh, now know, it's like synagogue or church or no, mosque. Yeah, well, I think tabernacle was still a little bit more um, not necessarily permanent. Like, it was something that you would uh, – it's it like was a pop-up tent. But also um, – it's actually still used. I, I noticed like some Pentecostal churches are called ta- tabernacles. So, also maybe it's just that now that we aren't like sacrificing, were they still they were still sacrificing yes animals yes. So maybe that's the deal. I mean, Is I that... think yeah, I think it's I think it's that there's different names for different things over the years, and so like they would have used altar in the beginning. So, as kind of a aside to this, I think if you look at the um, Old Testament slash Hebrew Bible, a lot of it is the story of religion becoming, going from being more tribal to more central. Mm-hmm. And so in the beginning, it was all about like making an altar and sacrifice a th- sacrificing a thing. And then the tabernacle would have been a little bit more of a central place for wherever people were moving the pop-up tent for God. Um, and then and then moving to more of a temple. Um, that's more permanent. That's, that's more permanent. Got yeah. it. Um, good. Yeah. That's just a little that's a good aside. Qu- that's a good question, Sarah. Just, Look you at know. you with your, <laughs> it's with all, your fancy educated questions. It's, I'll try to keep up. It's all, that's all I've got. I don't have any answers. I don't retain any memory. I just ask questions. It's your special agnostic power. <laughs> you just really, is it? <laughs> I love it. Um, Jarris interviews religious, religion professor, Tudor Parfit? That's not a real name. I love that name. <laughs> Tudor Parfit from Florida International University, who notes that before all the cultic affairs of the Israelites were concentrated exclusively in the capital, Jerusalem, um, there had been arcs, probably different kinds, he says probably of different sorts, wherever God was worshipped. And that the early arcs would have been made more simply, more like a wooden box. He notes that over time, the, the story could have gotten more elaborate, a bit like a fishtail, to state that it was out, made out of gold. Right, because why not upgrade that shit? <laughs> but, like, but, I mean, like, that's the main one. It should be made out of gold. Yeah, upgrade. <laughs> well, and also, well, here's the thing, is that uh, we don't actually, I don't know if they're saying, uh, he, the, you and I were in Hebrew class together in divinity school, and the Hebrew language is very... Uh, I love this about the Hebrew language. It's very, um, like, one word can mean a total, like, a ton of different things because there, were, there weren't as many vocab words in biblical Hebrew. So I wonder if, and I have not looked at the original text, nor do I really remember how to translate Hebrew, but it, I like, I wonder about the actual, like, are we talking gold paint? Are we talking gold gold? Are we talking, like... Also, the only thing that I really remember from Hebrew class mm-hmm. is uh, one of our friends named her boobs Tohu and Vavohu, which means formless and void. void. That friend was me. I thought was it you. I don't I remember. It was Aaron. I I can't remember who came. Maybe it was Aaron. <laughs> but we all started calling our boobs that. Shout out to Aaron. And maybe it was you, Aaron. Anyway, awesome. Aaron, you rule. Okay, so. Uh, and you might be wondering, where is the Ark now? Did the Nazis get their hands on it? Uh, so the first temple was destroyed by the Babylonians in 587 BC. It probably burned then, 
or it was chopped up for gold if there was any gold on it. According to 2 Maccabees chapter 5, which is in the Apocrypha, Jeremiah hid it in a cave on Mount Nebo in, quote, a place that shall remain unknown until God gathers his people together again and shows his mercy, end quote. Revelations 11:19 says, Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the Ark of the Covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and earthquakes, and a severe hailstorm. Again, imagery seen in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like you said, Sarah, basically a documentary. <laughs> and according to a Smithsonian article called Keepers of the Lost Ark by Paul Raphael, seriously? These Do any are- of these... Do any people, do any of these people have, like, real names? I feel like my sources are all, like, low-key fake. (laughs) The next one's, like, Donatello and Michelangelo. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, according to this article by Paul Raphael, published in 2007, the town of Aksum, 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 the town of Aksum, Ethiopia, has long claimed to have the Ark. Raphael relates the mythical history thusly. The Queen of Sheba, one of its first rulers, traveled to Jerusalem to partake of King Solomon's wisdom. On her way home, she bore Solomon's son. She definitely took yeah, part of his did. wisdom. She did. She Later, Menelik went to visit his father, and on his return journey, was accompanied by uh, was accompanied by the firstborn son of some Israelite nobles, who, unbeknownst to Menelik stole the Ark, and carried it with them to Ethiopia. When Menelik learned of the theft, he reasoned that since the Ark's frightful powers hadn't destroyed his retinue, his retinas? Like his, his eyes? Re- no, his retinue, like his his coterie of people, like his entourage. That's the fanciest, dumbest word I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you take it up with Raphael. <laughs> Raphael. Them's ain't my his words. His retinue. Yeah. <laughs> this is all a quote. Posse. Can we yes. just say? Yeah, who hadn't destroyed his posse? Um, it must be God's will that it remain with him. Yeah, so basically they stole the Ark and took it to Aksum. Uh, flash forward to present day. There is a chapel in Aksum uh, in Ethiopia, and a high priest chooses a guardian. This guardian is the only one who can see the Ark and actually lives with the Ark in this building. According to the priests and the guardian, it has been this way for 3,000 years. Scholars would say this is a very convenient way of hiding the truth because only one person can see it, that it's a fake. But it is a pilgrimage site for many. uh, And we can't verifiably say that it isn't because no one can see it. So to recap, it probably burned with the Babylonian invasion, but might be hidden in a cave or is hidden in a chapel in Ethiopia. But Loki probably burned. Or Sarah, is it in a U.S. storage facility guarded by top men? I know my Indiana Jones history, Sarah. If it was, it would definitely have been discovered by uh, Nick Cage. (laughs) That is impenetrable logic. That is 100% a fact. (laughs) I'm going to find the Ark of the Covenant. (laughs) Listen, if there's anything that I've learned from his movies is that he's very good at finding things. Yes, it's true. (laughs) Can he find the Holy Grail, though, Sarah? Because that's up next. There can be no question. Yes. I'm going to find the Holy Grail. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, so we're going to move on to the Holy Grail. Speaking of, I'm going to find the Holy Grail. Yes. Um, this one is a real rabbit hole. So the Holy Grail was a cup that Christ drank from during the Last Supper. Um, you can actually see it in the painting, The Last Supper. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's pretty sweet. This is where we get the words for communion in Luke twenty two twenty, where Jesus pours out the wine and passes it around saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And he, after he is crucified, this cup is passed into legend. Okay, so basically either it was just thought of as a dish in a cup that used to, that continued to be used until it wasn't like our dishes, you know, in present day. Unless, Sarah, do you encase and protect everything I eat off of? I take, I take uh, swabs and... You have um, so much of my DNA. <laughs> I, I just need, I just need to collect a lot of it so that I can frame you for any future murders I might choose to have. Aww, I might choose to do. That's so sweet. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so either the dishes are lost to history, right? Um, they got used until they didn't, uh, or it broke, or it got lost, or left behind when Rome conquered Jerusalem in 70 CE. Um, but maybe some folks noted that it was important and they kept the Holy Grail. Professor James D. Taylor of the University of North Carolina was interviewed in a Smithsonian special called Secrets, the Holy Grail. And thought that the room where the Last Supper was became an early veneration site that housed artifacts and folks worshipped with the disciples there. Hmm. But the quest for the Holy Grail is much newer than you might think. The first reference to the quest was actually written in the 12th century French poem. According to X marks the spot, the place of the father in... I can't even pronounce that. Entretron de, de tres contu de grail. Did you, you made me, you made this part of my script to laugh at me right now. Yes, I did. Because I, I knew you wouldn't read it in advance. <laughs> so I knew this would be a really good blooper. <laughs> no, this is staying in. Good. <laughs> By Irrit Ruth Kleeman. This is why you wanted to record it today. <laughs> Because you knew, because you just said this to me yesterday. You knew I wouldn't have time. Look, I don't know how to say it either. <laughs> also, can we just have, so, so is X marks the spot, is that, is, is this the coining of that phrase and then just became what I, treasure maps? I, I think that it's uh, sort of like wink and a nod to the, um, to the Goonies. Uh, well, it could be, or the last, uh, the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is about finding the Grail, and there was a big thing about X marking the spot and that, and I think it might be a nod to that. But oh, uh, oh my God, I was totally reading that as the title of this 12th century French oh, poem. No, the source, the right? No, the source talking about this is X marks the spot. I'm gonna give it a try. The place of the father in Crescin de Troyes. Conte du Grail by Erit Ruth Kleeman, published in the Modern Language Review in October of 2008. That, that is the article about this the, French poem called Cantu du Grail. The Cantu du Grail takes place in, also, sh way to show me up on pronunciation just then. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like, hey, Hey, fuck you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Chatrine de Troyes. I, I do not speak French. I could have totally blown that. You just, I just said it with confidence. That's really the only I like it. Yeah. I like it. Anyways, the Conte de, du, de, the Conte de Grail yeah. takes place in Arthurian legend with the knight, with Knight Percival hunting the Grail guarded by a fisher king or a wounded king who can only sit in a boat or, and fish? 
That doesn't. What? Yeah. What? Are, maybe their legs are gone. Yeah, I think like that's how they get their food. Is like they can't hunt anymore, so they're just. They got a fish. They, they're a fisher king. I mean, which also, like, if you think about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, it's guarded by a knight who's wounded. Like they actually did their homework on that. Nice. Like in that room, there's like a really old ass knight who tries to stab Indy, and then he's like, uh, right. and then he's like, I'm so old. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, please take my place. Yeah, Yeah. because he's like hundreds of years old. Yeah, I think he was like from the 12th century or something like that. Yeah, so, um, so this leads to other legends where King Arthur's knights are involved in Grail hunting, like Le Morte d'Arthur. More recently, we have Indiana Jones right hunting for the Grail in the city of Alexandretta with mythical powers of eternal life or death if you choose poorly. And Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code, where the Holy Grail is actually a secret lineage of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. So there's lots of different kind of legends around this. But, Loki, it's it's not real. It's probably buried under some rubble, burned or broken. But, I mean, that's just me being a realist. I'm not trying to be, like, raining on everybody's parade. Um, no. Okay, next up, Spear of Destiny. Uh, can we agree that the Spear of Destiny has the best name? Because it totally does. And will you join me in a quest to find this one, Sarah? Uh, 100%. Yes. I will quit my job right now, um, take out all the money for my 401k, yes. and we will go on a hunt for the Spear of Destiny. Yes. That is my new life calling. Mm-hmm. Um, also included in the Kant Conte du Grail is the Spear of Destiny, a.k.a. the Holy Lance. This is supposedly the weapon that was used by a Roman soldier to stab Jesus in the ribs on the cross because Romans have... Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, this is a situation where nothing is heard about this artifact, the Spear of Destiny, a.k.a. Holy Lance, for centuries, and then it reappears. The Vatican has the sword quote-unquote the sword, in their collection, but they aren't saying it's real because it only dates to the 8th century, which is like 600 years too new. So that's a math problem. Other so-called lances can be found in Vienna and Poland and elsewhere. How they all came to be in these places is convoluted, and we would totally get in the weeds to explain how each one of these so-called lances got to Vienna, Poland, and the Vatican and elsewhere. Yeah, so according to an article in History Today by Richard Canvin... Cavendish. Seriously, you guys? These are not real names. By Richard Cavendish. In 1998, the important thing to note is that folks felt like the tide of the First Crusade was turned in 1098 when a peasant named Peter just... uh, Peter? Just Peter. When a peasant named Peter... There weren't enough people back then to have last names. (laughs) (laughs) When a peasant named Peter found the spirit in Antioch, which gave confidence to Christian forces to win the war. Another piece to this is that the Nazis were obsessed with the occult. According to an article called Relic Hunter in Salon Magazine by Noah Charney published in 2016, Hitler took the Holy Lance, the one that was in Austria, because he took lots of shit that didn't belong to him, and brought it to Nuremberg and planned to have himself eventually crowned as the Holy Roman Emperor, like a huge dick. So the whole hunt for religious relics from the Indiana Jones movies did reflect the reality of like how obsessed the Nazis were about this. So basically, we've got multiple different spheres of dest- destiny. None of them showed up until way too late. So probably not real. Um, 
and that leads both of us to be a Debbie Downer on this. So, like, here's my question, Sarah, is, like, what do you think about these three particular la- relics and, like, their existence, the quest, people's continued mystery about them? Question. Mm-hmm. Question back for you. Mm. In the uh, Last Supper, yep, the Holy Grail is painted as being, like, very uh, ornate. Yes. But... That's the twist in Indiana Jones, where it's just it like, would not be made of gold. Yes, it would be <laughs> small. Say. It would be unassuming. And the cup of a carpenter. The is cup what of Indy a carpenter. Says. I saw that movie like sixty times. I know practically the entire script. <laughs> <laughs> so, which do you think it would be? The cup of a carpenter. You think it would just be a little cup? I think it would be a little wooden cup because Jesus. I mean, think about him. He's like itinerant. He's like wandering around, basically homeless. I I think it's totally made out of wood. I think it's one of those collapsible cups. It's made out of silicone. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because he's wandering around. He needs something that's a space saver. Or maybe he pulled out a sheepskin. <laughs> it's, like, it's like old milk. <laughs> Loki, that's probably the most. That's probably the most honest. Did I that just makes solve sense. it? I think Did I just solve the mystery. Yeah. Um, so what do you, I mean, what do you think? Do you think that like any of them are still around? Do you think they're all like all, these three in particular? Do you think they're like lost to history oh for sure i don't think any of these like really exist and if i mean if if something had been found it's way too contaminated now to know and if something were to be found in the future i suppose maybe but it seems like all we've really i mean the most important things that we've uncovered are either architectural or writings I agree 100%. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100% on this. And honestly, like, so my, like, you know, as much as I was obsessed with these things as a kid because I loved, you know, Indiana Jones and that kind of thing, like, it's fun to wonder about. But, like, if you use, I mean, if you kind of look to science on this, I think it kind of fairly easily answers this question that they aren't around anymore. Um, and, but my next question would be, like, I noticed that y- we talked about uh, the sword um, being a rallying point for the first crusade. And I'm wondering, did like, do you think that veneration of some things can become dangerous um, or not? Like, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, like, of course, of course, I, I uh, veneration of an idea, veneration of a object, veneration of any of these things like that, that is like, to me, that's that is Christianity. You know, you've got the you've got the Crusades, which were started because of religious, you know, one good, one good. You've got the um, the Spanish Inquisition, religion. Uh-huh. So these can, things can easily almost like slide into galvanizing people to do bad things. Sure, but in the name of uh, in the name of justice. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, I also wonder, could they be galvanized to do good? Yes. I want to say yes. Mm-hmm. I am skeptical of the yes because um, I I suspect that anger is a more, like, tunnel vision-style motivating force than, like, hope or compassion. Because compassion or empathy or something like that necessarily requires you to identify with the other. Anger 
anger, like, necessarily, not necessarily, but necessarily cuts that off. Mm-hmm. So you you automatically other the other person. And I yeah. don't know that, I don't know that you can, like, galvanize, or I don't know if you can come together in a peaceful, compassionate way that doesn't open the community up to um, being manipulated or taken advantage of. I mean, or like cults. This is cults. Mm, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, 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 because a lot of times there is like veneration around a particular thing turns a little cultish. Yeah. I Yeah, I tend to be very suspect of things and more into ideas. So like if we can all come, to, come together around like, you know, love of other, those kinds of things that we come back to, and but this, yeah. is, but this is like, this is the thorn in my. This is my own. Holy Are your hackles up? This is this is my own holy lance. Yeah. Um, Ooh. <laughs> What's your holy lance, Sarah? We. I agree. Like love should be like the basis mm-hmm. of what we choose to do. The problem is is how we define love because, I guarantee you that. There are Trump supporters out there who are white nationalists who are saying that they're doing what they do out of love mm. because they are loving, they are choosing to protect their own, you know, their own kind mm-hmm. in an attempt to like love and foster that ideology, right? Mm. And so yeah. that's that's where I get hung up is that yes, love is a beautiful idea, but who are we loving and why are we choosing that love over against another kind of love? So it's almost like we got to redefine these terms like very clearly. Yeah. But even that's like an impossibility, you know, depending. I mean, like, I think one that we can agree on for sure, but one that one that we can be clear about maybe like, yeah, at least for like, if like, if I'm, if I'm talking about love, like maybe we can, or he, like if you and I are talking about love, like maybe it's something that we define more clearly, like that yeah. balances like the need to protect our ourselves and our own personhood with like compassion and justice for society. Yeah. Oh, this is one we're going to be wrestling with for some time, y'all. This is this is my this, this will be our deal. continual rabbit hole. I can't. So, I, I know. I can't. We got to punt this one, I think. I mean, we're going to punt it and we're just going to keep punting it because there's there's no right answer. Right. right. It's true. <laughs> I agree. It's, it's just this constant question that has no, like, comfortable yes. response. Yes. Anyways. Agreed. Um, so uh, it is uh, always good to have this discussion. What do you all think about these relics? Um at us uh, at Bible Bitches on Twitter um, or on our fan page on Facebook. Um, yeah, message us. Let us know what you think about this. Um, and you can also uh, continue to listen on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. And also, big, huge shout out and thanks to Engage Gays, Aaron Doodles, and Yo Eves. Um, Engage Gays for hosting our platform, Aaron Doodles for doing our artwork. Yo Eves for um, providing the music. Um, she's been actually coming out with a lot of great stuff lately. Um, and so you should check her out on Spotify or whatever platform you use, iTunes. Um, because she's she's just she does 
like Amazing. just fun. fun. It's just fun rap. Yeah. It's just Thank fun hip hop. I still love her thunder su- thunder thigh song. It's yeah. so good. All right, thanks y'all. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Part two. Love you.